Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Friends, we have such a special guest on the show today, Michelle Hembry. As a stay-at-home mom with a background in graphic design, Hembry kept connected to the art scene through volunteering at the Oakland Museum of California for more than a decade. She then launched MGH Discovered Art in 2015 to spotlight the artists that she felt had been historically ignored. The bootstrapped business kept thriving during the pandemic thanks to a well-curated e-commerce site, online and street shows, and consumer enthusiasm for the talent she highlights. We also have a very long family history together. Our dads are besties. Her mom was my childhood swim instructor. One of her sisters was my childhood babysitter. And another sister was one of my very first customers at Shop Marin Costello and has a literal chronology of jewelry that she has purchased from me over the years, starting from age 10. It is such a pleasure to welcome you to the show, Michelle. Hi, Marin. I love seeing you and it's great to be on your show. I'm so excited. I mean, all of Alameda is just completely overwhelmed and thrilled with this collaboration. I have to tell you, I've been getting messages. My mom is actually in town visiting in Florida because we had a large, a large trade show over the weekend. And so she was here to see it all. And when I told her that you were going to be on the show and I had to leave to go record with you, she just blew up my phone with text messages of like memories and all the things between our families over the years. I mean, and your whole family were, you know, patrons of my parents' bar and restaurant for, I mean, since they opened. Yeah. Your dad actually, that was one of my first jobs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. In the kitchen. Yep. Oh my god. I learned a lot of Spanish from Jose and Ramon. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, the OGs. Yeah. That's so amazing. The well, OG, how are you? OGs. I'm good. I'm so good. And I'm, you're reporting from just, New York. I am. I'm in the East Village of Manhattan, and I'm just so excited to be talking to you. I always love our conversations. I know. I want to say pretty shortly after you opened up MGH, I was so lucky to be invited to your former space in Alameda. And I went to honestly just say hi and go look at some art. And we ended up talking for like three hours. A long time. That's right. And it just was, it's always so easy breezy with you. (laughs) Uh, Likewise. And I just, I adore you. I mean, we could just, you know, obsess over each other all day long. But I want to share most. You are one of my role models. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. You really are. (laughs) But I want to get to the nuts and bolts of who you are and what you do and how you do life and your business and all the things. So tell us about little Michelle. Let's start from the beginning. Um, Well, I am one of five. I am number four. And, um, I have an older brother, two older sisters, and a younger brother. And we grew up a little bit in New York City. My dad's a New Yorker, and then moved to California. My mom's a native Californian, and ended up growing up in California for most of my life. Um, Growing up in a big family is interesting because you always kind of have to like vie for your, for the attention, for your space for, you know, anything that will get you what you need, (laughs) because it's limited, you know, you have two parents. Um, But I think because of that, you know, um, having a large family, 
I, my, I had my sister, Erin, who was an actress and my sister, Carrie, who was, is just super glam. And I was trying to find out who I was. And I really connected with my older brother, Jimmy. And we would practice baseball together like every single day. So I played, I was like the only girl who played little league, but I loved it. I mean, it was where I really found sports was really where I found my niche. And um, I think I always kind of didn't do what was expected of me. Um, And by that, I mean, like, I just did what inspired me. Like I played the trumpet, even though there weren't any girls playing the trumpet. I rode a dirt bike, I played baseball. And the challenge of being one of the only ones in a group kind of motivated me to prove myself, I think. I love that. I actually, I resonate a lot with the black sheep kind of, you know, identity (laughs) for lack of better terms. Not, I mean, I'm certainly, I'm not athletic. My poor father. I mean, I can't even imagine how many dance shows he went to. Like we are, (laughs) my sister and I are not athletically gifted, but we are coordinated. So we were dancers, Uh but Um, I still felt very much like a black sheep growing up and kind of created my own rules and Mm -hmm. did my own thing. So that really Mm -hmm. does. And also for people listening who don't have context of Alameda, it's a very, very Mm -hmm. very small community. Everyone knows everyone. They know your every move. So making those decisions that are out of the quote context of the community um, are not as easy there's less, a little bit less freedom to do that. It's true. Um, but I have to say like my parents always, always supported anything that I did unless it was getting in trouble, <laughs> which I, love that. I did too. <laughs> I love that. So growing up, you were very much into sports and into yes. music. When did your love of art start to um, become realized? I've always had a love of like design and decorating. Um, yeah, I used to ask my mom if I could set the table, you know, and use like nice napkins and even just for like a Thursday night dinner. Um, and I always loved setting up my room, you know, that kind of thing. And I think it was in high school when I started um, like taking art classes and then I dated a graffiti artist and he really opened up, his whole family were artists and they really opened up my eyes to the world of art in every form. And, um, you know, I, then I just kind of gravitated to whatever, whoever was creating and being artistic. And that was kind of, I made it kind of a way of life. Um, and then during the, I guess, late nineties, during the dot-com boom, um, I started working at one of the very first web design companies, Vivid Studios in San Francisco. And I was um, working around all these creative, you know, tech people who are also, you know, designers making websites. And so I learned a lot in that environment too and um, got into graphic design. And then, I mean, but I've always, you know, besides my career, I've always just loved art. It's just always, um, it's very visceral for me. I feel it. Absolutely. So your for the first chapter of your career was in graphic design. It was. And how long were you a graphic designer? Not very long um, because I met my husband soon after and we decided that I would be a stay-at-home mom. So I left the career and um, 
you know, thinking about getting back into work after having kids, I really was not that interested in like the technology had improved and I really wasn't that interested in learning that again. So um, I needed something creative. I needed something, an outlet for myself besides being a stay-at-home mom because it's totally all consuming. Um, and so I started volunteering at the Oakland Museum of California. Uh, through, they have a sale, a huge sale. It raises millions of dollars every year. And um, I worked in the art department for the sale with like the curators from the museum, the docents, art professors, artists. And we would look at thousands of pieces of art every year and talk about them, research them, price them, clean them, frame them, curate them, sell them. And that's basically what I do in my business now. <laughs> so that was your training ground for opening up that your, was, your, yeah. your own company. And Unconventional so, education in art. Which is, I mean, I'd say that's the best education. Like actually yeah. getting into the field and getting your hands dirty um, yeah. is really what, I think that's where the, the magic happens. You know, school I is think amazing. So mm-hmm. School's amazing. I think school's amazing for thinking and for clarity and for learning follow through and making organization. Yes. Discipline, all of that. Yeah, I agree. Short-term projects, long-term projects, mm-hmm. goal setting, all of those things is are great, but it really doesn't prep you for a career unless you, of course, you're going to go, of course, you're, unless you're going to be a dentist or a doctor. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, mm-hmm. school is your, is your means of, of doing that. Um, but I love that that was your training ground. So at, at what point were you encouraged? Like, did the light bulb start flashing of wanting to create your own company? And from what was the timeline of having the light bulb go off? And then mm-hmm. also that moment to inception, what were, mm-hmm. what were those timelines? Um, so there were a couple uh, light bulbs and the idea got into my head because um, there's a company in San Francisco called um, Lost Art Salon and they've been around forever and they used to come into the sale and they would buy like all of these large collections of art and they would reframe them and they would do the research and then they would put them in their shop and resell them and um, I just admired the way that they worked and their ingenuity and um Sorry. And um, it was really inspiring. And so, you know, thinking about their business and how they did it, I actually one day I was helping one of the guys push this huge cart of art out the out of the warehouse, and I said, you know, one day I'm going to do what you guys do. And he looked at me and he was like, oh, really? And I and I was like, yeah, I am. And so after that, um, I can't remember how long it was. But I was working part-time at my friend Daisy, uh, Barbara Mooney's shop, Daisy's, which I know you know very well. And she is just one of the most creative shopkeepers I know. Um, And I just felt so lucky to be there. But um, I was in the shop and I was just looking around at the walls and how she had merchandised everything. And it was just so beautiful. And I thought, I want this of my own. I want to be able to do this you know, for myself, I want what she has here, her own thing that she built. And I think it was probably 
six months later, I started just selling on Etsy. And um, very early on, I started working with One Kings Lane. And that it was immediately successful. Like I had put the stuff up and it sold immediately. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to work. Yes. <laughs> and I was actually at my daughter's dance recital and I had my first sale and I was super excited. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been, you know, growing and from there. But, you know, it's not, you know, it's a roller coaster. It's absolutely, there are like months that I'm flying high. And then there's months that I'm just like, I need to shut down next month. <laughs> I mean, I think that those emotions daily are pretty normal oh, in the life of an God. entrepreneur. It's just oh, a constant God. roller coaster. I remember hearing one of my, um, one of my entrepreneurial female friends say, it's not about getting attached to the highs or attached to the lows. It's about maintaining your center ground. It's yes. being centered in yes. all of those moments because the ebbs and flows are going to happen. Like the peaks yep. and the pits are going to happen. And that is the craziness is the consistency of being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. yeah. right? But yeah. it's not the variable. Like you are guaranteed to go through a crazy, crazy ride. Oh. Um, yeah. And like you, well, I was just going to say, like you said, um, the one thing that I work on every single day for my business is balance, balance in my life. And I have a business coach and she is all about balance about, you know, we talk about family and business because, you know, I have to, everything has to be balanced in order for any of it to work. Absolutely. And also understanding that that balance, that flow is able, is going to change. Like what works mm-hmm. for you this year or this mm-hmm. month or this week might change for you next week, next month, next year, definitely in two years. I mean, our world moves so quickly, right? So yes. also giving yourself that permission to move with the changing times. Where do you feel like your sense of permission comes from? Cause I feel like for you to, I mean, to go from, I, I would say that to go from, you know, college to event production to a jewelry line is a lot more fluid of a journey than going from stay-at-home mom to amazing art curator and entrepreneur. I feel like that is such a a drastic change of reality for you. So where do you find your sense of encouragement and permission? Um, Well, I think, you know, one of the great things about being an entrepreneur is, um, you make your own rules. And so I don't feel like there was ever a drastic change because who I am is who my, is MGH. It's, it's all in one. And um, my values in my business reflect my personal values. And um, so I don't really feel like there there was like, you know, I needed to switch positions or switch roles. it's all been pretty organic. Even growth has been very organic. I can't imagine if, you know, I had the work that I have now in the beginning, I wouldn't have been able to do it. And I would have not been, um, I wouldn't have had the longevity as what I have now. You know, I wouldn't have been ready at all because, you know, I'm a solopreneur, so I don't have a team. I hire out freelancers and that kind of thing, but I don't have a team. So, 
in the beginning, like I learned how to create a website and then I had to learn how to manage my money. And then I had to learn how, you know, I probably should have done that in reverse, but. <laughs> um, neither here nor there. It's the chicken and the egg, you know, there's yeah, always going to be yeah, something. There's always something that it's like, oh, I wish I had known that, you know, then, but um, so it's always been, it's been like an organic process that I feel like um, only because I've grown in, in my life that I've been able to grow in my business. And it's been um, kind of seamless, you know, not seamless in a way that it hasn't been rocky, but it's been just a seamless uh, growth, I think. That's amazing. Was there a particular year or a particular moment that you saw a drastic change in growth, an uptick in growth, and why? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yes, absolutely. Last year, and it was, you know, nobody would have thought that last year would have been great for the design industry, but it really was because people were home and were surrounded by the things that they had lived with and probably didn't really notice because they weren't at home as much as they were. And so they wanted to change it. They wanted to live with things that they loved. And so um, last year was you know, my best year yet by far. And um, I, it was interesting because in the very beginning of all the shutdowns, um, I was just trying to, I think like everybody else, like how re-examine your business or re-examine your life. And, um, I just kind of kept busy, you know, I just kind of, I just tried to keep creating because it felt like that was the only thing that I could control, <laughs> I guess. So, um, I was, very creative last year and, and my sales were great last year. And this year I'm actually kind of paying for it because I majorly burnt out and, um, and my focus has been on other things. And that's kind of the balance that we talk about, you know, um, because those are the other things are my priority right now. Of course. At what point did you hire a business coach? Because that is so mm-hmm. admirable to to work with someone that quickly in a business. Um, so I actually worked have worked with um, two, this is my second business coach, and I think we started. I started with my first one um, before I moved to New York. So I think it was probably around 2018 or 2017. But I had been going to these book um, clubs with this woman named Heidi Bennett in Alameda. And she has a company called Vibrant Visionaries. And she coaches people who are creative in multiple different um, avenues. And she is the most uh, compassionate person that I've ever known. And she really helped me in the beginning get over like the, you know, imposter syndrome and, um, feeling very stuck and, you know, again, balance, but, um, I've worked with her on and off, I think since like 2017. So pretty early on. And I do, for me, I do the things that work and I will, if it's working for me, I'm going to keep repeating to do it because I see the results. And so that's how I felt about Heidi. We worked together for a long time. 
and now I'm, I have a different business coach because my needs have changed and I still love Heidi, but, um, and I've only been working with her since August. That's awesome. So, you know, we're both in the product industry, but with my product, people can order an exponential amount with your product. It's a one and done. So I'm curious as to how you find your inventory, how you treat it, meaning when it comes in, what is the next step? What is the process of Mm -hmm. prepping up a piece to be photographed and ready to put online? Then once it sells, there's another Mm -hmm. process to get it to the Mm -hmm. customer. Can you walk us through what that looks like? Yeah. Um, so I find art in so many different places. And then it also comes to me now. I have a lot of um, people that I work with who have had family estates where a family member is an artist and they don't know what to do with all of their art because it has a lot of sentimental value. They don't want it just to go into the garbage or get lost in the shuffle. They want it to mean something, you know, to the person who has passed. And so um, I also find pieces at estate sales and garage sales and picking and other dealers and online and um, auctions and um, antique fairs, really wherever I see it, you know, I'm always open (laughs) for getting it. I love that. Um, Go ahead. No, do you have clients that come to you and say, hey, I'm looking for a piece that's this size and these colors. Like, can you help me find a a piece like that? Do you also have clients like that? I do. And that's where I have a lot of resources. If I don't have it in my inventory, I could probably find it for you and give you options, um, which is great. So I have different clients, like I work uh, B2B and B2C and uh, direct direct customer. Um, And I also started working in the wholesale business, which is interesting because I do sell one of a kind. And usually when you have something for wholesale, it's multiples. But within my collections, I have like multiple pieces of each artist. And so, my idea was if I have an example of a piece, there might be 20 other pieces in different color schemes or different sizes by that artist that you, you know, if the first one doesn't work, you have options. I love that. How many pieces of inventory do you think that MGH, the MGH collection has? Um, Right now I have like 675 pieces listed. I probably in my collection pieces that have not been um, uploaded or listed yet, or um, I'm not, I have to do the research, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I probably have, I don't know, maybe like 1500. Wow. So you're, oh, you have over 2000 pieces easily. Probably. Yeah. That no, so that would be 1500 total. Sorry. Total. Yeah. I mean, so six, about 675 listed and about 1500 total. That's amazing. So, and I imagine, you know, depending upon what kind of cost, what cost, what your customer, excuse me, wants, you can frame it any sort of way, Mm -hmm. ship it to them any sort of way. How has, how has the shipping craziness affected your business? So it hasn't because, um, 
it's I have only been shipping to the United States, so I always ship UPS or FedEx. So it hasn't um, affected my business at all. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. The only it has affected my business because framing is taking longer because they can't get the supplies. Right. So that's interesting. But if you do have the the piece, it can get to them, you know, next day if need be. Yeah, absolutely. In theory. Yeah. So a lot of the but a lot of the pieces I sell are um, unframed, and that okay. is because um, just because of space you know, living in New York and working here, space is really limited and I can't store that many framed pieces. So to have them paper is way easier. (laughs) Absolutely. What prompted you to move to New York? Um, We just wanted a lifestyle change. Um, You know, Alameda is a wonderful place to raise children and it's just a quaint little town and it's super safe. And like you said, you know, you know, everybody there and we just wanted something different. Our kids were 16 and 18 and we wanted to show them that you can pick up and go and change is okay. And there's nothing to be afraid of. Even if you are afraid, just, you know, keep going, keep doing it because um, the reward, the rewards are usually, you know, unparalleled you can't create that um so yeah we so we got rid of everything we owned and my husband that was the only thing we moved right (laughs) my husband my husband and son took a van with the art and moved across country (laughs) drove it (laughs) that is so cool how are you like in New York I love this city I love it but we are moving which is you're the first to yeah Um, I I love the city. It's the most inspiring place I've ever been. It's difficult. It's not an easy city. Like everything is convenient, but it's hard. It's not easy. I'll tell you that. And, um, but we really, I really need the space. I need the space to grow my business. And um, yeah, so my husband is from Texas and we just bought seven acres in Texas and we're going to have chickens and a country house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you need a roommate? That is my dream. Oh my gosh. How exciting. Yeah, what is your timeline? Yeah. Do you have a timeline? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we move at the end of the month. Which oh is my gosh. Two weeks. <laughs> I know my life is crazy. It's always like crazy like that but I I bring it on myself I do this to myself and it's what I want so you know (laughs) yeah so exciting whereabouts in Texas we are right right near this little town called Tyler actually Tyler's about the same size as Alameda it's like a hundred thousand people medium you know um and so we are halfway between Dallas and Shreveport Amazing. But we are actually in the country. So we're not, we're outside city limits of a town that has 900 people. <laughs> That's amazing though. What a cool change of scenery for you guys. I mean, you're really kind of dipping your toes in every kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And, you know, people would ask when we moved to New York, like, how long are you going to live there? And I would say, as long as it works. And it's just, it's not working, you know, it's not um, making me my happiest right now. So, and the space, I can't wait for the quiet and the space. I, I did realize that I work best with space and quiet and that's hard to get here. Same, 
so yeah. much same. I think that's- Especially after, I was just going to say, especially after the last year and a half, I mean, we had a good year and a half here and then, you know, COVID just really changed everything for everybody. And so it's, um, the last year and a half has been kind of crazy being in New York City. It's funny, we're talking about inventory because I feel like during the pandemic, everyone took inventory of their lives and their decisions mm -hmm. and their, yes, the things that they owned, but just how they were operating and moving about their lives. And I feel like, you know, that is something that, I mean, I thought I would never leave LA, yeah. right? And I mm -hmm. feel like you probably thought, you'd be in, in New York a lot longer. A long time. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But it really is the quiet in the space that is so magical. It is. I Last year, I took a road trip by myself uh, last October because we were living in the smallest West Villa department. And it was my husband and my daughter and myself trying to work there. And I told them, like, if I don't take this trip, I don't think I'm going to be living with you guys any longer. <laughs> it was, yeah. So I took the trip through Texas and um, I had never been there. Like I said, my husband is from there. Um, and it was the open sky and the quiet and just the, the landscape, the openness of the landscape. And it was so, so inspiring to me. Totally. I mean, I... Not to say that there aren't beautiful sunsets in California and LA especially, but I mean, the clouds and the sunsets mm -hmm. here in Florida and just the foliage is so happy and green and lush. <laughs> I just, I, I was like, I didn't even yeah. know they made clouds and stars and sunsets <laughs> and things like this. Like I just didn't even know. And I'm fairly well-traveled, but to yeah. live in it 24 yeah. seven, I was like, wow, this is, this yeah. is next level. Yeah. This is really special. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for you. So what will your space look like for your work when you move? So um, at the moment, I will be working out of this huge, uh, I guess they call it a uh, family room or extra room. Um, and so that will be, I mean, compared to what I have now, I mean, I've got a storage unit and I have all of my art in both places. So I can't imagine having everything in one place, being able to order all the supplies I need at one time. Um, so that I keep fantasizing about how I'm going to set it up. But eventually we are going to build a barn workshop kind of thing. And I can't wait for that. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a dream. I so know. what are some things that you know now that you didn't know in the beginning of running your business that are now mm -hmm. so crucial in your everyday life? Um, I think um, the fear of failure, uh, don't let the fear of failure stop you. Um, you know, as a business owner, you don't, you're making, you're doing experiments for your business and some of them will work and some of them won't, but you can't let the ones that don't work stop you from experimenting or planting as many seeds as you possibly can. And um, I think that's what does stop a lot of people, but not fearing failure and just keep, keep trying. What else do you have? I mean, this is your business. You have to try it at every single angle, I think. 
Absolutely. I think there's something magical to gamifying everything that happens, most everything that happens in a business um, and both the things that go right and the things that don't go so right. Just to make pretend with all of it is really helpful in the day to day. Yes. Yes. Yep. And, you know, if you do have a failure, just move on. You have to just move on. You can't. Yeah. Feel it, you know, learn from it, all of that. But the next day, even take as as much time as you need, but don't take too much time. And use it as a learning, you know, as a learning lesson, know that, Mm -hmm. okay, that didn't work. We won't do that anymore. Exactly. Um, there was a recent, you know, scenario in my, in my life that it didn't go to plan. And I just mm-hmm. thought, you know, one thing that I've heard over and over is, you know, God's rejection is God's protection. Mm-hmm. So you just also don't know what the next step mm-hmm. is going to be or what the next, you know, opportunity is going to be. And maybe totally. this thing that you think is going to be so important for your, for your business or your life, it might actually hinder you in the next chapter. Like, we just don't know. I mean, if oh. COVID taught us anything, like we just don't know what's going to happen. Right. Right. I mean, a hundred percent. I have learned that also. Beyond every, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is your, what is a day in the life like? And I, I, it's a love hate question for me. Cause people ask me all the time and I'm like, I have no idea what I do on a yeah. day. I mean, I have a couple <laughs> things that are consistent, but I'm curious. Um, what does your schedule look like? Uh-huh. Um, so it does change day to day, obviously, but, um, during the week, I like to start, I just do like 10 minutes of a different meditation, whatever I'm kind of feeling I need at the moment. Um, and then like every other day, I like to play tennis. I play against the wall over at Tompkins Square Park. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It gets out so much stress. It's unbelievable. And, you know, the thing about sports is the metaphors, like, keeping your eye on the ball keeps me so present. I don't have time to think about anything else. And um, so I love to play tennis. Today, I'm doing this podcast, obviously. Um, And then after this, I'm going to go pick up a couple pieces at the framer. Um, And then after that, I'm going to do some packing. (laughs) But on other days, like I've been um, lucky enough, fortunate enough to work at the New York Design Center as a stylist for one of the most talented dealers, Sputnik Modern, Chris Thurman, who lives in Texas. And um, I also work with Guy Regal at the Design Center, who has been my mentor since I moved to New York. He was one of the first people I met and he took me under his wing and I am so grateful for him. Um, And so I'll meet with them or meet with Guy and Nicole and, that's that happens like often also um i will also during the day you know obviously send out emails respond um uh, look at analytics update any sales package anything that needs to be packaged send it off um i'm creating right now i'm working on a show in south carolina in january and so i'm working on uh, curating a wall for that show a show like an art show yeah it's, well it's an interior design uh, showroom called Fritz Porter and they have a collection of like uh, d- decorative items and antiques and that kind of thing and they do a gallery wall and I'll be on the wall for the whole month of January that's amazing and so what is yeah. the goal with that show 
Um, well, it's a place where a lot of interior designers go and source. Um, so the goal would be to have them use MGH as their art source. That's amazing. Are there yeah. many are there many folks that do what you do at that show? Um, you know, not that I know of. I know that they do have they have a, a, a gallery wall that they change out. And um, I'm not sure if I've seen all vintage art. I know that a lot of artists promote their art on that wall. Um, but I don't know if I've seen all vintage. So I'm excited. I'm so excited for you. I know that, I mean, you could, especially in a, a place like LA and New York, you could throw a rock and hit a jewelry designer. There's a lot of jewelry designers. Are there many people <laughs> yeah. that do what you do? Um, you know, not just focus on art. A lot, there's a lot of dealers with, you know, the most incredible, impeccable taste and they do art and furniture. So they have more of a vignette that they work with and they're kind of filling in all the different um, niches. So there's not a ton that just do art. There's a lot of art dealers online, um, but it's interesting because like art dealers and a lot of uh, antique dealers used to be like kind of under the radar. And now they're starting to, I guess there is a thing that's called pandemic dealers where like now they're actually coming out and merchandising and, you know, really branding themselves. So it's interesting the way the business is, industry has changed a bit. That is so cool. How did you meet your mentors and your connections mm -hmm. in New York that you just spoke of? Um, yeah, so when I first moved here, I created a lookbook of all the art that I had sold and not in, still in my inventory. And um, just kind of like a model's lookbook. Um, and I walked around to different galleries and showrooms and I would say, look at this, would you put my art up? <laughs> um, so I was actually doing that at a, I was at a networking event and I was, I had my lookbook and before the event it was a pitch, learning how to pitch. And um, we were allowed to meet with a mentor. And so you just signed up, just a random person. And I met, um, God, I can't think of his, oh, Harry, Harry. I met with this man named Harry and I told him what I did. I showed him my book and he said, well, I don't know anything about antiques, but my ex-son-in-law does. And he called him right there, right in the meeting. And he said, Gee, I've got a lady sitting in front of me and she sells art. Would you be willing to meet with her? And he, Gee was like, yeah, have her send me her information and we'll be in touch. And so I did. And I followed up and we met at the design center and he's got a, a showroom there. And he looked at my lookbook and um, he liked it. <laughs> and he said he would like to work with me. So he, um, at the time I had this like old storage unit at this place called um, the tunnel over by the Hudson River. And so Guy came over to my storage unit and he looked at the art and he loved it. And he said, bring, I want you to bring this collection and this collection to my showroom and we'll talk about how we'll work. And, um, but one of the things he did say when he was looking at my lookbook was, this is great, but you need to polish up. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I love we... that advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have actually worked together since, I guess it was uh, 20... 19, 
the um, spring of 2019 and ever since. And I still have art in his showroom and we've actually become good friends. And his partner, Nicole Caput, has also embraced me and I just love them both. And he always gives good advice and his style is amazing. And I just, you know, without him in New York, I feel like, I feel like he took me to the next level. And um, I just am super grateful that that's how it all worked out. And he, we call it, we call it uh, Kitspa, I guess. Yes. That it is. yes. Yeah, that's what he calls it. Yeah. So you felt a distinct shift in both your personal aesthetic, your business aesthetic and your, your revenue when you partnered with him. Oh yeah, totally. I felt like, um, it was, I was more legitimate. People kind of took me more seriously that I was working at the design center with Guy Regal and, and Sputnik Modern and, um, absolutely. That's amazing. So just yeah. a word for our listeners, the importance of, I hate the word networking, the importance no. of making connections, the importance totally. of making connections totally. and being creative with, you know, getting a mentor, what that looks like, what your business model looks like, because as we're learning from Michelle, like all these things that I didn't even know, you have several streams of revenue and several different ways that you're, mm-hmm. that you're exposing your art to the world. Um, and it's very very crucial, especially in, you know, these times to get creative and Mm -hmm. to maybe not shy away from opportunities that are a little bit more unconventional. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I first moved here, somebody had asked me, so how are you going to sell art in New York? Like, what is your plan? And I said, I don't know, (laughs) but I was open to anything and just like I had said earlier, just planting seeds anywhere I could. And, you know, if I planted a hundred seeds in a week, you know, if I got two that I was, I'm thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. Thrilled. You know, it was two more than I had the day before. Every, every sale, every win is more than zero. Yeah, you know, exactly. No, no matter how big or yep. small. So That's I want right. to, I want to cut to your personal life because I just, I love I love a woman who just does it all. It just makes me so happy and proud to be a woman. And so I'm curious as to your secret sauce to parenting and also your secret sauce to partnership. Oh man. Okay. No Um, no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Secret sauce to parenting. I think um, what I'm the most proud of with my children is that they are super independent thinkers and um, they have goals and they do the work to reach their goals and they're good people. And so um, I think really trying to let go of expectations of what you have for your child is only only does harm to everybody and let them as hard as it is you have to let them make decisions for themselves suffer the consequence whatever it is or the reward but let them you know be autonomous people and and not in a safe way obviously (laughs) but not have expectations and rigid boxes what you want your child to be I love that. And, and what then about your secret cluster partnership? Yes. Um, so Steve and I have been married for um, 21 years. 
and we didn't date very long. I would actually recommend that (laughs) Um, um, because we fell in love as, you know, still we, you know, we're still falling in love. And I think the secret sauce is um, there's lots of them, but we talk a lot. We walk and we talk all the time. We talk everything through, like, and come at it in every angle. And I think with talking, you also have to do your fair share of listening. Listening mm-hmm. is probably the key. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what for you is the next big goal? Obviously moving, mm-hmm. but aside from yeah. moving, what is, what is the next big goal for you as, as a person, as a mom, mm-hmm. as a partner, but mm-hmm. also as a business owner? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, um, I have a few different goals, but I think they're all kind of interwebbed and I think, uh, really slowing down, um, you know, continuing to be balanced. Um, it's a goal. It's always for me is always keeping my side of the street clean. Um, you know, leaving someplace better than when I got there, helping my community, being able to, you know, find something in Texas, some, some, uh, some sort of cause that I feel I can make a difference. Um, and um, I think just, you know, being a person of integrity, saying what I do, mean what I say, those are all, they're not specific, like, uh, tasks and goals that you can, that are tangible. I think they're just kind of values that I just hope that I can always, you know, keep living. But I think those are the important goals to achieve throughout one's life. Right. I think I do a lot of reflecting on, you know, the last chapter of one's life. And I don't think on one's deathbed, they're like, wow, I really wish that that, that deal was going to go through. I really wish I would have sold that painting to that one client. It's true. It's, it's true. How did I impact the world? Was I a good person? Did I live my life, live my life with integrity? All the things that you just said, those are the meaningful things. Like that is, that is ul- the ultimate wealth of one's yeah. life. What does self-care look like for you? Uh, I used to hate the word self-care. Uh. It is a buzzword. <laughs> yeah. It is a buzzword. <laughs> But now I actually, self-care is um, tennis really a lot, meditating, you know, as much as I, like 10 minutes a day. I can't, I don't have the attention span to do it any longer than that. Um, knowing when to stop, that is self-care because I, like last year I overdid it and I burnt out. And so knowing when to stop, um, and sleep. I love sleep. I'm good at it. I have no problems with it. And I just love it. <laughs> I'm learning to love sleep or I have learned to love sleep a lot. Uh-huh. I didn't sleep at all from birth <sighs> until my <sighs> early thirties. And oh, now, that gosh. I, now I'm, I'm, I think I slept like 14 hours, 16 Ooh. hours. Last night. I mean, I was like, oh, you had a yesterday, yeah. yesterday was a rough <laughs> one. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, over the weekend was so wonderful, but and exciting, but very fun filled. And so 
you know, with work. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, yesterday I just tapped out. I was like, it's dinner time and also bedtime. Goodbye everyone. (laughs) You you mentioned knowing how to stop or knowing when to stop. Mm -hmm. How do you know when to, when it's time to stop? Um, so again, another sports analogy, I just can feel it. Like I know, you know, swimming, I used to swim every day, twice a day for 10,000 yards a day. And, you know, you can feel it in your body when it's time to stop. And I've been intuitive with that since I was young. And so it's just a, a feeling that I know, like, this isn't, and I actually can, I know before it happens, like I can prepare, like I'm going to need to stop in like, you know, 20 minutes. I love that. I love that. And I think that's the magic of what we spoke about earlier about being in the quiet and having your clarity, Mm -hmm. being self self self-aware and intuitive. What is the North star big picture for MGH discovered art? So the North star big picture is in the very beginning, I used to say bringing art to the people. And that's still the North Star big picture. Um, I wanna be able to make art accessible to everybody. It doesn't have to have an, you know, a famous artist name next to it for it to be good. It doesn't have to cost thousands of dollars for it to be worth something. Um, so yeah, bringing art to the people and making good art accessible to everybody. That's always it. been the North Star. I love it. <laughs> Where can we find you and how can we support you? Okay. Um, so I have a website. It's mghnyc.com. Um, and I also sell on First Dibs, um, MGH Discovered Art and Cherish, which is Cherish like the chair. And if you haven't been on either of those websites, you'll need hours because it's filled with the most beautiful uh, items ever. Um, So Cherish, and that's MGH Discovered Art. Um, Let's see, where else am I? I'm on Instagram, mgh.discovered.art. And uh, I don't really do Twitter. Facebook is the same, MGH Discovered Art. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You are such a light and I'm so grateful to know you and to have you, you know, in my Alameda family and just in my creative family and female entrepreneur family. And I just, it is such a pleasure to be connecting with you and to share your story with all of our listeners. Thank you so much, Marin. I feel like now I want to do like, it's your turn to for me to ask the questions. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do a follow-up. We'll do a, we'll okay. do a, we'll yes, make it a series please, because I okay. want to know about you. <laughs> Perfect. Done and done. Well, I adore you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I adore you too. Give your, my love to all your family. Likewise. Likewise. Okay. Bye Marin. Bye. Well, everyone, that interview was one for the books. A huge thank you to Michelle for coming on the show. Another big thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media Group. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again and again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and the conversations that you love. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio on Instagram. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week.
why don't you drop it low, drop it low, little mama? I can get you wet, super soaked if you wanna. No games, no way. All gas, no brakes. You can have it your way. You can drop it low within a low rider. With those tight jeans, girl, it's so fire. But if you wanna take it slow, baby, that's okay. I use my hands in so many ways. Nah, nah, nah. So drop it low, little mama. Drop it, so drop I can lay you low, little mama. Drop it, drop it low, little mama. Drop it, so drop I can it, lay you low, little mama. Drop it, drop it low, little mama. Drop it, so drop I can it, lay you low, little mama. So drop it low, little mama. So I can lay you low, little mama. Drop it low, little mama. Drop it low. We can go wherever you wanna go. Come with me, shorty, fly with me. I take you to a place of ecstasy. Da, 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 da. No need to play silly games, yeah. Girl, I am not the one to blame, no. I just can't contain myself. I need it, cause girl, there's nobody else. Believe it, you can have it your way. So drop it low, little mama. So I can lay you low, little mama. Drop it low, little mama. So I can lay you low, little mama. Drop it low, little mama. So I can lay you low, little mama. So drop it low, little mama. So I can lay you low, little mama. Drop it low, little mama. Drop it low. We can go wherever you wanna go. Come with me, shorty, fly with me. I take you to a place of ecstasy. I love to see you drop it low. I love to see you drop it low. I love to see you drop it low. Drop it Take all my niggas to the Coachella yeah, I'm tryna go home. 
Never had 